Hola, amor. Hola, cariño. Y bienvenidos a... Uy, qué horror. A Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hi. How's it going? Hi. I just noticed that you have a little George Michael going on in your dangly earring over there. Oh, I totally do. I've been very, very... uh dangly lately well yeah i'm just feeling dangly these days i usually wear like little hoops little hoop earrings because i just don't even have to think about popping them out i just keep them in basically all the time i know you shouldn't but i do no some people do that but um one of them got loose and i tried to fix it and i totally fucked it up but i was like oh i've got these fun dangly ones that i popped in Although, again, I'm not taking them out at night. And there's literally like a sword on one of them. It's like a vampire thing where it's a dagger and then two drops of blood on the other one. They're both dangly. How lost boys of you. Exactly. But I'll like flip over in bed and this fucking dagger will like stab you, pierce my face. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yes, I am George Michael over here. You're totally well, I guess it would be nice. If I could touch your body. Touch your body. Remember when Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit did that song? Oh my God. Because I got a half I was obsessed with Girl, that. Don't I know it? <laughs> I was there in Nicaragua with you when you were like, let's fucking play this fucking song. <laughs> Chocolate, starfish, and what was the name of that stupid? Like the hot dog hot water? Hot dog water and chocolate starfish? Whatever. It was something, something like that. Something like that. Like that. Chocolate starfish. That means butthole, dude. <laughs> your butthole. I, oh, my God. What a time to be alive. <laughs> but you're doing well over there. You look yeah, great. Yeah, just hanging out. I'm uh, <laughs> doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I talked to my dad this morning. I uh, Fab. had some coffee, had some toast. We're having a, a morning record. And uh, as of this recording, yesterday was Brazilian uh, Independence Day. So Feliz Independencia to all the Brazilian friends. <laughs> A couple weeks ago. Once this episode comes out. September 7th is the day that Brazil became independent from Portugal. They should do a Hamilton, but instead of it being a Hamilton, it be Mm -hmm. a fucking Brazil-themed Hamilton. Hell yeah. I would absolutely love that. And then have the king of Portugal be like... Played by Jonathan Groff. Played by Jonathan Groff. And he sings... (laughs) Você vai voltar. <laughs> Listen, I have still not seen Hamilton. Really? I have not got I, I am a theater person and I I can't listen to a recording. Like I need the visual element. Well, it's on Disney fucking Plus, bro. <laughs> I know. It's literally I use your Disney Plus account. <laughs> And I still haven't sat my ass down to watch it. Forgive me, theater nerds of the world. Very quickly before we begin, just because we're on Disney Plus, I just want to fucking say Mm -hmm. all you fucking haters out there. She Hulk is one of the best fucking Marvel shows that there is. Why are there haters? The CGI isn't great. Listen, it's a fucking television show. They're not going to shove the amount of money in the CGI as they did with Hulk in a fucking movie. Like, it's not, not just, it's, it's not, not going to happen. happen. Guess what? Fucking bend your sense of reality, calm the fuck down, and just watch it, bro. It's so funny. She is, uh, uh, Tatiana Muslani is so fucking funny. It is genuinely a fucking sitcom from the 90s, if you look at it. Amazing. It's if Ally McBeal was 
led by She-Hulk. It's so good. <laughs> All I know it's so good and funny. is that Megan the Stallion made an appearance and I was like, Yes, oh. and she was great. It was <laughs> such a great plot point. And at the end they twerk together and it's the cutest fucking thing. And everyone can suck a dick, okay? Everybody get over it. <laughs> Yes. Relax your chocolate starfish and just fucking exactly. get over it. <laughs> Fred Durst said, relax your chocolate starfish. Uh, and drink some hot dog flavored water. Okay, here we go, everybody. We are not talking about She-Hulk today. We're not talking even about <laughs> Hamilton in Brazil. We are staying in the United States of America today slash a little bit in Mexico. We're doing a back-to-back America film. We are, yes, we totally yeah. are. But in this movie, I could say, I guess you could say we're kind of like hopping the border back and forth a little bit over here. Yes. So today, this was my pick, and I picked The Forever Purge, which, mm. you know, began production, I believe, in 2019, pero COVID, so it didn't come out until 2021. Clearly, this is a USA film, and I think it's good for us to establish, we've mentioned this previously on the pod, that we had a movie club where we watched action franchises, horror franchises, back and forth, back and forth, and we did watch The Purge. However, yeah. this one came out... Like once we after we after, were yeah after like you know we started getting busy again because the world quote unquote started coming opened. back to normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I watched this one the other day with Matthew and I was like, oh, we should fucking cover the purge because listen, it was directed by Everardo Valerio Gout 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 uh, uh, Gout <laughs> sure who is Gout El Gout, Gout, Gout. Who Gout is Mexicano and it was uh-huh. written by James DeMonico who I believe is actually the creator of the Purge uh, series and it also you know this like I said this is a movie from the states pero Mexican leads Mexican director Mexican stars all over the place takes place in Mexico Mexico for a little bit so I think this definitely falls under under the Horror criteria Yes and it I think is also in the, I guess, within Uikiror, the subgenre of immigration horror. Absolutely. This movie gave me full culture shock vibes. Very much culture shock vibes. Funnily enough, you said this is number five in the in the. Full? I didn't say that, but this is number five, yes. And uh, I just think it's funny that we also did a number five for paranormal activity. I didn't even put that together till now. I wonder if number five is like the, okay, now let's make it Latino Dude. In, in franchises. Wow, interesting. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Also, just side note, I saw somebody on Twitter being like, paranormal activity five is the best one. And I got to say, kind of agree. I kind of agree, everybody. It's fucking, it's fucking great, <laughs> it's dude. It's a great one. All right, so we're going to talk about this movie today. Before we do that, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And I've got a Titulos de Terror for you today. uh... Since this title is in English, The Forever Purge, I just decided we're just going to tell you what the title of this movie is in Spanish and Portuguese. So in Spanish, it is La Purga por Siempre. Can I tell you a very funny short story? Uh, Please. So when I was little, my mom would tell me horror stories about her youth growing up uh, poor in Nicaragua. 
and how her mom, my grandma, may she rest, was kind of a fucking pill. And a fuck. Listen, generational trauma is a fucking thing. Absolutely. Y mi abuelita era medio perra. And <laughs> my mom, I remember once told me, and I was little when she told me this. She's like, you know, when when my mom would catch us in bed reading something that is a good thing. Yes. When my mom would catch us in bed reading. She would be like, why are you fucking lazy, motherfuckers? Like, stop being lazy. Go, vayan a encontrar algo, algo que hacer. Wow. Because if you're in bed, that means you're sick. So if you're sick, you drink un purgante. Porque para que se te quite. Ah, and uh-huh. <laughs> un purgante is a laxative. Like a purger, basically. If you Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Y yo me acuerdo, the first time I heard the word purgante, I thought it was such a funny word. I was like, mom, what does purgante mean? And she's like, well, you know, she'd be like, aquí está un té. Uh-huh. And then you'd shit your brains out. And I'd be like, grandma, I'm going <laughs> to fucking purgarte for reading, dude. Wow. Imagínate. Damn. That, I mean, that's unhealthy, everybody. That's not good. Well, first, not only are you actively laxitaving, laxitaving. La- purging, <laughs> laxitaving your children, <laughs> and then you're not encouraging reading, which is... Just too, like, double whammy. Wow. Double whammy. So. <laughs> Gracias, abuela. Gracias, abuelita fucking... <laughs> I just want to say la pulga por, por siempre. That's, I just... La pulga. La pulga por siempre, so... But it's la purga por siempre. And in Portuguese, it's uma noite de crime a fronteira. So a (gasps) night of crime, the The border. border. And uh, now how about we get a little synopsis from you? Absolutely. This is from IMDb. Thank you, IMDb. You always are nice to us. All the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decide that the annual purge does not stop at daybreak and instead should never end. Ooh, nice. Lawless marauders. Love that. So before we begin, I do think that it is important to talk about the previous purge films I honestly think you could just come into this one being like, I've never seen one. No big deal. And you'd be fine. Honestly, yes. Yeah, totally. It explains it to you. There is plenty of exposition in this film. However, I do think that it's important to state here that this is the fifth film in the franchise. However, it is a direct sequel to the third Purge film, which was Purge Election Year. And at the end, there was clearly an election happening in the Purge where one person was clearly um, new founding fathers of America, which is creators of the Purge. That's one person who's running to be, you know, elected. And then the other was a woman whose parents were killed by the Purge. And she's basically, I believe, trying to do away with the Purge. And she wins at the end of the third one. So basically, we're led to believe that the Purge is over. The new founding fathers of America are gone. Adios. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) That movie took place in 2040. So we're cutting to eight years later. So this movie is taking place in 2048. And the new founding fathers of America, the NFFA, I will say that a million times in this episode, (laughs) they have been reinstated, reelected, they're back. These motherfuckers are back in. Okay, so I just think it's important to establish that. Right? Yes, wonderful. We ready? Ready. Vamonos. It's 2048. And (laughs) 
We open with Adela and Juan, this couple from Mexico. They're trying to cross the border from Mexico into the United States of America. They make it to, what do you call this, a safe house, a stash house? Yes, uh, yeah, house? like a stash, safe or stash, yeah, sure. I guess. So they're at this safe this safe house in the middle of nowhere. They find some coyotes inside, and I was like, oh, this is very culture shock. BT Dubs, listen to our culture shock episode. Everybody, it's very good. So Juan pays the coyotes. One of the coyotes reveals a secret hole in the ground, which looks almost like there's like a ladder in it. It almost looks like a sewer pipe leading into these underground tunnels. So Adela and Juan climb into the hole. We discover more people down here trying to cross the border. And then like a straight up child, a kid, <laughs> yeah, leads the group through the dark tunnels. The kid runs ahead too fast, losing the group, which, of course, results with this big jump scare. Bro. Scared me. Fully scared me. Scared me. I mean, it was the classic, like, we're turning, we're turning. Flashlights. Who is going to show up when I turn? Yeah. Come on. And it worked. It worked. So the kid scares us when the group finds him again. And then finally, the kid leads them out of the tunnel into daylight where we see a big border wall. And we can tell we're now in the United States of America because there's graffiti on the wall. You see a fucking eagle. You see uh, these colors don't run, which I'm like, fuck fuck you. you. Fuck you. (laughs) So as they all go on to begin their new lives, the kid says to Adela, hey, Si hay problemas, siga las rosas. And he mm. hands her a loteria card with the rose on it. That's loteria, right? That's that, that game. Cool. See. Our credits begin. Again, very culture shock. We hear in a news report illegal immigration on the rise, Mexicans flee cartel violence seeking the American dream. Is the American dream still alive? White supremacy is rising. Racial tensions are rising, which I was like, Rachel, tension. (laughs) I'm sorry. Dude, I will never, I'll never get that out of my head. Anyway, and it says the NFFA (laughs) is voted back into power again. The purge has been reinstated. The rich get richer. The poor get left behind. It's the United States of hate. And finally, the annual blood holiday is once again right upon us. And with all this news, we see what looked like to me, at least like watercolor paintings of the American dream, quote unquote. Right. But it like cuts away to reveal skulls, a noose, a burning cross, a woman Mm. fucking falling from Mount Rushmore, a border wall, and finally the title of our film, The Forever Purge, which is next to a symbol which is a skull in an upside down triangle with on its on the skull's forehead it looks like a mix between like an anarchy a and a swastika the symbolism i mean when i saw it immediately i was like this seems nazi-esque totally nazi-esque and, and later on is absolutely uh. confirmed i was like this symbol is funky i will say right at the top here watching all of that And I think this is the feeling I had with the Purge franchise in general as Mm. we were watching it during movie club is why I think I genuinely like I didn't think the franchise would be one that I would enjoy, but I really did. We really had a good time. But I do think that it was a consensus amongst the three of us that we were very anxious when watching these films. Dude. 
The Purge movies, without a doubt, will strike a nerve. Well, maybe not with everybody, but they are stress-inducing. They absolutely are. Like, the danger is very, very real. And I do appreciate, too, that always in these movies, like, a person of color, like, they, they become more like the main characters in these films, which is very interesting, you know? The prequel of it, which is the fourth movie, the one that of the very first Purge, it's all people of color, which makes so much sense that they would use their original Purge in the poorer sections of they go to Staten Island and they go to like just areas where there's just a poverty and, and they where they know people. Kill you know, of color they're not going to be able to like they like it's like these people won't be able to protect themselves. This is yes. where we should fucking do this. Yeah. So look, the Purge movies aren't great. No, it's the message is quite heavy handed. However, I do appreciate that like a major franchise like this is attempting to put a message into their films that for the most part feels like, OK, we see what you're doing, and I think you have the right idea in mind for the most part. You know what I mean? I mean, they're basically, no pun intended, but like bashing you in the face with it. Pero, yeah, appreciate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Last thing around this symbol of the the skull that I want to mention is that surrounding it all is a snake eating itself, which, according to Dictionary.com, that is a, a <laughs> okay, this word, Orab. Oh boy. Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Ouroboros is an ancient symbol of a snake or serpent eating its own tail, variously signifying infinity and the cycle of birth and death, which I was like, Uh, okay, I I think I see that. And that will be confirmed later on. That makes sense in this film. All right, everybody, it's 10 months later and we're in Los Feliz Valley, Texas. It's one day before the purge. We're at the Tucker Ranch, and a horse is freaking out in a corral, in a corral, in a corral, in a Steve corral, in a corral. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh Lucas, who plays Dylan, but look, in my notes, I wrote Josh Lucas. Literally throughout my notes, he is, because I was like, Josh Lucas is in this film? Josh Lucas, sweet home Alabama. Okay. I was like, all right, here we go. Josh Lucas. So Josh Lucas is trying to calm this horse down. Josh Lucas fails miserably. So here comes Juan, who we met at the top of the movie Crossing the Border with Adela. Now, do you recognize Juan from a previous Week Horror film? No, which one? Oh, my God. Which film? (laughs) You're going to shit. I'm ready. (laughs) He played El Chino in Tigers Are Not Afraid, a.k.a. the big bad horrible oh, cartel leader my god mm-hmm. so welcome back to the main stage tenoch huerta dude first of all like what a fucking name listen no spoilers but i'm about to go in on him in fucking trivia he is very cool i can't wait i'm really glad that i got you because i was like i mean he'll, he'll probably know usually you fucking know and it makes me infuriated <laughs> no i didn't know that but one but 
I'm so glad you didn't know. But yes, so, and tigers are not afraid. Love that, which was one of our fucking favorites. <laughs> oh my God. Come on. So welcome back, Tenoch, a.k.a. Juan in this movie. I'm so glad he's here. Yes. So, he's so cute. Oh my God, he's beautiful. He's, he's so gorgeous. so beautiful. <laughs> so Josh Lucas is failing. So in comes Juan. He comes into the corral and he's like, calmate, calmate, calmate to the horse. The horse calms down and Josh Lucas is upset. Bitter. He is he not is happy about this. Bitter Betty. Oh, I, I wanted to calm the horse. <laughs> and along the side of the corral, we meet two farmhands who also work here at the Tucker Ranch. Titi, who is Juan's friend and fellow Latino, I assume Mexicano. And all I could think was fucking Bad Bunny. Titi me pregunto, <laughs> Titi me pregunto. That's all I could fucking think. Si tengo mucha novia. Also, fellow farmhand Kirk. And we also meet Caleb, Josh Lucas's dad, and Harper, Josh Lucas's sister. Now, uh, at the Tucker Ranch, just to clarify, Caleb, the dad, Harper, Josh Lucas, clearly these are white. White. Texans. <laughs> white ass Texans. Cut to a big slab of meat being slammed down onto a table. And we're at, I assume this is like a mercado? And this is, or like a slaughterhouse? What is this? Oh, yeah. Este es una carniceria. There we go. That's what it fucking is. We're at the carniceria. And this is where Adela works. Not only works, she is the manager of this place. And I was like, this woman, it's been 10 months since they've been here. And she is the manager of this place, which is great. I just want to point out that this is Ana de las Regueras, and she very famously, at least for me, plays the romantic interest slash not really of uh, Nacho Libre. She is oh. the little nun that he is so obsessed with. Amazing. Oh my God. And she is so great in that and she's so sweet and um, uh, <laughs> she is the reason why every now and then I will in my house be like Encarnacion. <laughs> I don't know what that means but I love it. <laughs> it's the song that he sings about her, oh, Encarnacion. Nice. That's her name. Nice. I believe we will also be talking about her in trivia as well. Which... Oh, I will go in. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited about that. So Adela is helping out a fellow co-worker, co-worker and friend named Rosa, by the way. Rosa's all over this movie, everybody. I didn't even pay attention to that. Nice. So... Adela is reminding Rosa that one kilogram is 2.2 pounds in, you know, because now we're here in the United States of America. So you got to know this. You got to go metric. Which I honestly was like, <laughs> interesting, because I didn't fucking know that. Oh, I did, because my science dad is always <laughs> like, why don't you know how to fucking convert kilometers to fucking miles <laughs> yeah, and sure. shit? And I'm like, yeah. fuck you, dad. No, this was helpful. So Adela then has a brief chat with her friend and boss, Darius, who, by the way, he is black. And most of the people in this carniceria are people of color. All right. Cut to a man on TV talking purge. Thiago Harjo is a Texas tribal leader, and he's saying on TV, on the news, the purge is an American born virus of hate and rage. Very lovely. Mm -hmm. uh, he is played by Zan McLarnon, who is in the spectacular television show that everyone should watch, Reservation Dogs. You must wow. watch that television show. It is so fucking good. It is 
uh, heartbreaking and lovely watch Reservation Dogs, everybody. Nice, nice. Good to know. So this TV with Jago Harjo is at Adela and Juan's house. They turn the news off because they've pre prepared some delicious food. And when Juan speaks in Spanish to Adela, Adela's like, please talk to me in English because we're in the USA now and you have to practice your English. Now, I appreciated this because mm -hmm. in movies where clearly a person's like native tongue or like their usual language is not English and they're still speaking in English, I'm like, this takes me out of it. I would rather hear you speak whatever language it is you speak and read the subtitles. Like, I get it. This is a movie from the United States of America. But me per personally, that's my preference. It takes me out of it. I'm like, it doesn't yeah. feel real. But I appreciated this because they're at least explaining to us like why you might occasionally hear these characters speaking in English, which would be super jarring to me. I'd be like, no, you'd be talking in Spanish here. So that's what I liked. For me, it was different. I had a bad reaction to this. I uh, immediately was like, you're erasing yourself. I agree that it's probably a great plot device in that, yes. like, here's a brief explanation as to why they'll be probably speaking in English. Pero I, the minute I heard it, I was like, no me gusta. And, and here's the thing. Coming from a family who had to learn English and, like, had to, who still has accents when they speak and, like, the first generation, when they come to the U.S., and they want to assimilate so badly. There is this like, I, I need to let go of so much. And it makes me feel sad that totally. there is that. I don't know. I just it makes me so resentful. The United States of America is very not not as a whole, but I'd say like the feeling of this country that we live in is very much so like you must assimilate. You must erase yourself and be one of us. And thankfully, yeah. there seems to be like a turning of the tide with that. But I think you nailed it when you said like, as a plot device, this works so that later on, we're not like, why are you talking in English? But at, right. like, if you really consider it from like a personal deep level, it's like, but that's heartbreaking at the same time, because you are assimilating, you know? But also, but also like, Living in the U.S., you need to speak English. Like, that's just you need to that's at least I mean. know a little a little bit of sure. it. And I I get mad at myself for being uh, resentful at the fact that this person is just doing that so that she can succeed in the U.S. She's doing it for to find success, happiness, to live the dream that she wants to live here mm -hmm. in the U.S. And that means learning the language. And to learn the language, you need to practice at home. It's this back and forth of like, I know you have to do it and I know it's important and I know that it's invaluable to make this a part of your everyday, pero me duele el corazón. And also along with that is... If I don't do it the way that they do it in the U.S., I will have a reason to be fearful and there might be danger. And there, especially when it comes to the subject matter of this film, is like they're literally trying to purge people that don't belong right. and to belong. And so it's this like 
I was in danger back home. And if I don't do the stuff that I need to do here, then I will be in danger here as well. So it's uh, it's very emotionally very complicated, I think. And I think it's important to establish here that Adela seems a lot more gung ho about being in America than Juan is. He is he is not really feeling this whole situation. Because no. when she's like, practice, we need to practice at home. He's like, OK, once again. Yeah. All right. So we cut to more meat being slammed down. But now it's on a grill and we're back at the Tucker Ranch. We're around a dinner table with the Tucker family and some Tucker family friends, and we're enjoying some grilled food. And we discover that Cassidy, who is uh, Josh Lucas's wife, she's pregnant. So one of the friends here around the table who she's a mom, she's got two kids playing nearby with their nanny, Anna, who, by the way, holds up a rose card to the kids and says, Rosa, roses everywhere. I didn't notice that. Wow. OK. Dude, like roses. Soy bien burra. <laughs> ev- no, but like I didn't notice until my second viewing. They are The roses yeah. are everywhere in this movie. And clearly La Ana, like I believe she is Mexicana. So this woman, you know, the mother of these kids, she's like, oh, Anna's so great with the kids. If you two, <laughs> meaning Josh Lucas and Cassidy, if you two need help once your baby's born, Anna has a sister who's also a nanny so I can hook you up. And I was like, this is sweet, but this makes me feel fucking weird right now. But also, I don't know if you noticed, mm-hmm. they show the kids very quickly and these two little white babies being like, Puedo ir al baño. In perfectly good Spanish. Yeah. Perfecto el español. Perfecto. These little white babies. Yes. And she's like, and see, andate, vaya al baño. It makes me think of, there's a, a joke that George Lopez used to tell in his stand-up where he's like, all these <laughs> white ladies hiring us brown people to take care of their babies and... Sure, they may be white in the outside, but then when we come in and we take care of them and give them this love, they have brown hearts. And I'm like, <laughs> George Lopez, don't make me cry in your stand up. So, es eso. So after this mom says that, like, hey, we can hire Anna's sister to watch your baby. Josh Lucas, who just observed that moment that you just mentioned about the kids speaking, you know, perfectly good Spanish, says, mm-hmm. nope, we're good. In fact, I don't know if I even want our kids speaking Spanish in this house, which lands like a bomb. Yes. Not only to us, but to everyone at that table, because you would think people would commiserate at that table because everybody is a white person. Pero todos los demás are sitting there. They're like, "Ooh, that's a fucking shitty thing to say. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction here to to mention is that Harper, Josh Lucas's sister, Cassidy, the wife, and Caleb, the dad, they seem to be different from what you mm-hmm. would what what you expect from like a white Texan. You know, yes. Like, look, they're still fucking white people, but Josh Lucas seems to be like the racist among us, the most <laughs> yeah. racist among us, if you will. You know yes. what I mean? Yes, 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 absolutely. Oh man. All right, so it's 10 hours till the purge. Later on, we're in the stables, and Caleb, you know, old man Tucker, the dad, is giving out purge day bonuses to Titi, Juan, Kirk. And Juan says to Caleb, your son doesn't like me because I'm Mexican. He doesn't Mm -hmm. think cowboys should be from Mexico or Argentina or anywhere else. And Caleb's all, 
Well, I always taught my son to be a proud American, but maybe I didn't really teach him what that meant. I don't even know if I know what that means anymore. We're all at each other's throats. And I was like, oh, yep, yes. Mira, incredibly refreshing to see an older white man have this mentality of like, I'm paying attention to what's happening around mm -hmm. me right now. And uh, because let's be honest, this day and age, whenever you see an old white man on TV, you expect fucking racist, horrible shit to come out mm -hmm. of their mouths. So like lovely to see this older dad be like, take responsibility a, yes. for his uh, hit for him being like, I, I taught my kid, but I obviously wasn't, uh, didn't, Get, read him the fine print when it came to exactly. being a good American. So, yes, lovely to see this man admit his error and also be like, I'm aware of what's going on. And listen, my, dude, sorry, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And just I, there's something really unfortunate about the fact that he's like, I raised my son to be something that I, I thought I was raising him to be like a good guy, but somewhere along there, miscommunication, like something happened. And I'm like, I don't know, social fucking media, Fox News, Oof. I guess in this situation, the new founding fathers of America, algo así, like that shit happens. And it's just like, oh, people are lost. You're lost. Goodbye. Also should just mention that Caleb is played by Will Patton. Fabulous, fabulous actor. In many horror movies, so Will Patton. Really? You kick ass. Yeah, he's great. Way to go, dude. So Caleb, Will Patton, gives Juan his bonus, and he heads off, and here comes Kirk. And Kirk is like, that money's nothing more than a way for them to keep using us as slave labor. I know what I'm going to use the money for, and it's not protection. And I just sh I should mention here, Kirk is white. He's a white uh -huh. man. Uh-huh. He, he a white man. He's a white man. And I was like, oh, all right. The time is getting closer. Purge is coming on. People are locking up, closing up shop. The sun is setting. And after boarding up and locking their house, Adela and Juan are picked up by Titi in a school bus to head to a safe space, like a safe warehouse. Ooh. Very scary. They really cut cut it close, too. Dude. I was like, ¿y por qué están esperando una hora antes que empiece esa mierda? Absolutely <laughs> not. Dude, this is no. literally the next thing I wrote because then we go back to the Tucker Ranch and the Tucker family is locking down and settling in for the purge. And I was like, if this were a thing for real, I would never wait till the... What if something malfunctioned? What if your ride never came? One hour to spare? Fuck no way. That shit. No. I'm locking a down la tarde. <laughs> a solid. Yeah. Like, give me a, a couple of hours to just make yes. sure we're safe. We're good. No malfunctions, no problems. And we're good. But it also made me think here, which is a thing that also pops up in Purge movies. This is a holiday. Yeah. And this is a holiday for rich people who can afford protection, which is clearly a theme introduced throughout these films but i was just like fuck if you don't have a lot of money good luck it's established in the very first one where like here's ethan hawk inventing all the new uh security systems and like selling them all to their fucking neighbors but it is this thing of like who who can afford and deserve quote unquote this protection it's a fucking holiday for rich people 
All right, we're back with Adela and Juan and Titi and a bunch of others on that school bus on their way to the safe house. And finally, the school bus pulls up. They get off. Titi gives this handsome ass captain with a mustache an envelope with money. And in they go to this safe space. And I was like, oh, so it seems that like a purge business is protection. You pay like some military people or, or I guess armed people to kind of corral you up shut the doors they'll like you know monitor the space and hopefully you'll make it out alive the next morning but you gotta pay to make sure Mm -hmm. you got that protection fuck and another thing to be aware of is that this is juan adela and titi's first purge or at least juan and adela i believe and i was like damn they came to the united states knowing that they'd have to do this oof rough that that hits Anyway, they make it inside. It's fucking full of people. The gates close behind them, sealing them in for the next 12 hours. We're back at the Tucker Ranch, and we hear the news say, the national holiday celebrating our American freedom is finally back. Good night, Texas, and good luck. And I was like, okay, so this is Fox News in the future right here. Ugh. And so if you've seen any Purge movies, you're you're familiar with, with what happens now, which to me is the most stressful part of these films. It's so scary. Knock on wood. Never experienced a this is a national emergency like screen on television. But there's something about that that is I literally just got chills. That is so unnerving. And then the alarm sound that the Purge, the Purge franchise decided to make a gajillion dollars on that alarm sound alone, because that is the most terrifying sound Mm. there is in this film. It's so scary. Yeah. The commencement of The Purge is always very, very stress-inducing. Now, here's what's happening. It's an emergency broadcast system. It starts up and it announces the commencement of the annual Purge sanctioned by the Mm. U.S. government, which is just so fucked. So that announcement begins. But this time was especially cool in this film because we go back and forth from the Tucker Ranch to that safe space where Adela and Juan are and we hear the announcement in Spanish and then back and forth and back again, which is so cool. So it's like commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, será legal durante doce horas continuas. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. Mm. May God be with you all. The sirens wail, the purge begins. So at the safe space, Adela and Juan are having an interesting conversation. Surrounded by the people, the food, the statues of the Virgen, Juan says, this reminds me of home. To which Adela says, this is our home now. So Juan says, maybe you're right. We should forget where we came from. And Adela says, it's not what I meant. I mean that America is everything. America is Mexico, Africa, Italia. We can take it all learn it all, and we can embrace it. That's what I choose to believe. What? What is this to you? What do you think of this? This is her way of saying people from all over the fucking world are here. There are people that immigrate Mm. to the United States for this dream, to make it their home. And Mm. that's why America is everything, because it can all be found here. But also it's like, I think it's giving America too much credit. Yeah, 
I'm not going to lie. Like, I listened to her and I was just like, this doesn't sit well with me. You're deluding yourself because and she'll soon see when we see yeah. what happens next that that's not the case. Like, yeah. Like you may you may yeah. choose to believe that America is going to be open arms and ready to give you what you want. And then swiftly she finds out that that's not true. I think. Quien sabe. I think that's the thing, too, because I was just like, I don't know what to make of this. But I think maybe that makes what you're yeah. saying makes yeah, more yeah, sense yeah, yeah. with her arc as a character. So we're back at the Tucker Ranch and Josh Lucas is in the kitchen when he hears a distant clatter. So he checks his cell phone security footage. And when he looks away from the screen, we see a figure running by on the little cell phone footage. He didn't see it, but we see it. So he goes into the garage where the noise seems to be coming from. And all of a sudden, in the corner. It's just the generator. So next to the generator, he unlocks his gun locker, which is, you know, full of fucking guns and ammo. He grabs some ammo and then, bam, Cassidy appears. She scares the shit out of him. She scares the shit out of us. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so jumpy. It's this damn night. And Cassidy's like, fuck the purge. Fuck the NFFA. We can choose to bring a baby into world of love. And I just thought here with this guy. Good luck, girl. Good luck with that. I know uh, you talk about another deluded person like, honey, uh, you need to pay attention to the shit your man is saying. All right. So we're back on the streets of Los Feliz and it's gunfire everywhere. A dude is getting dragged through the streets behind a speeding truck. People are being shot execution style. It's awful. Adela goes to the roof of the building for some air. And there she finds Captain Hot Mustache and he's scoping the scene. And she says, there are parts of Mexico that sound like this every night. Pero Hot Mustache is like, don't worry about it. We got a good spot here. It's good for you. It's easy money for us. Which to me, yeah. I was like, yikes. No. You don't give a fuck about these people. Yeah. You just want to make some money. That's what's, that's what's going on here. Okay. But then three trucks appro approach. Hot Mustache is like three bogeys inbound and Adela when I mean like with the swiftness, she immediately grabs one of his big ass guns. And I was like, yes, I love this. Grab that shit. So the truck approaches and through loudspeaker, we, are, we hear someone say, we are the real patriots of America. We will no longer tolerate foreigners raping and pillaging the USA. We will find you and disinfect you. Bro. Dude, America will be American once again. Fuck you. Again. Um, <laughs> so the truck in the middle has that same skull symbol on it. And from inside the, the truck, we hear screaming. Adela looks through her fucking gun telescope. I don't know what that's called, everybody. I don't know fucking guns. And through the truck window inside, you see people screaming, freaking out, I guess being murdered in there. But Officer Hot Mustache is like, don't shoot because you're going to put your people in danger. So she backs off and the trucks drive away. And as she walks away, Hot Mustache is like, where'd you learn to handle a weapon like that? But she doesn't say anything. She doesn't answer answer him. I just wanted to make a point that the person that's being murdered in the truck is a black guy. And which is why I said earlier, like having her say all this, like everyone come. It's all here. And that's her first glimpse of like hearing a truck come down saying we will disinfect you. And then seeing a black man being murdered mm -hmm. inside that truck. I think this is the beginning of her 
having to reassess her feelings about where she is. You know what I mean? Totally, dude. Next thing we know, the siren is blaring again. It's 7 a.m. The purge is over. And honestly, I was like, End oh. End of movie? Okay. <laughs> huh? So I'm a dumbass because I was like, it's literally called the forever purge. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Super dunda. <laughs> Dundo. Okay. So we're back at the Tucker Ranch. It's back to work. Everybody's waking up. And meanwhile, Juan and Titi, they left the safe space. They're driving on their way over to the ranch. And through the streets, we see like the aftermath of the purge. It's literally just like blood. A dog eating a person. Yes. (laughs) Dude, blood spatter (laughs) everywhere. It's a mess. Disaster. Adela also is on her way to work. And in the carniceria, Adela's workplace, the TV is playing the news and a reporter is talking about how the cleanup has begun. Something I've never thought of in a Purge movie. Like, Bro, the next day. Can you imagine? No! God damn, that must be a disaster. It must Ugh. Adela turns away from the TV with her earbuds still in, so she doesn't hear or see when on the TV someone yells, fake news. Oh boy. And this person shoots the reporter in the head. <gasps> She walks out onto the carniceria floor and she notices that not a lot of workers are there, which I was like, oh, that? Ooh, yeah. That is bleak. Dark. Look, we're just going to say here, clearly people of color are being targeted in this film, like we saw with that convoy, the three trucks. And so they're dead. That is so heartbreaking. Because she goes, why is no one here today? Mm -hmm. And I wrote, And they've been specifically targeted. Absolutely. Oof, yikes. Back at the Tucker Ranch, Josh Lucas discovers that a horse has gotten out of its stall, so he follows it, but then, bam! He's surrounded by a bunch of men in black masks and face paint and cowboy hats. I called these the Death Cowboys. Good band name. (laughs) The Death Cowboys. Josh Lucas and the Death Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Adela, back with Adela at the carniceria, she's discovered a caged goat in an alley behind the slaughterhouse. No seas burra. But a girl. Girl, this is a trap. <laughs> what are you doing? But so she no. she puts her sea arms. Burra. She puts her full arms and head into the cage to pull a lever to release the goat. But duh, this is a trap. Bam, her arms and head are pinned and then flap. Her body is flipped over on top of the cage. Dude, that was really dope. It was so cool. cool. And then a top flap of the cage flips up and then like what I'm going to call like a head piercer thing pops out. Yeah, like above Adela's head. Nearby, two men dressed like bunnies from hell emerge from a dumpster. No, 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 no. They approach her with meat cleavers. And when she's she's like screaming, the purge is over. What the fuck are you doing? They say, no, no, this is the forever purge. And they start to lower the head piercer closer and closer to her when bam, here comes Darius to the rescue. Gracias a Dios. Gra- Thank you, Darius. He bashes both of the demon bunnies with the pipe. And one of the hits <laughs> sends the cleaver smashing back into one of the bunnies' faces. Nice. Yes, fuck nice job, up. Darius. So Darius releases Adela, but then the other bunny attacks. So Adela uses the steel pipe to pin him to the cage. Darius uses the head piercer to kill bunny number two. Nice job, you two. Yeah. But just then, two fucking dumbass cops show up and arrest Adela and Darius. And I was like, I wonder why. Uh-huh. 
And they say, like, they were still trying to kill us. They said it was, and then the cops were like, the purge is over. You're trying to continue the purge. What are you doing? I was like, uh. Didn't listen to them for a moment. However, Adela's friend Rosa, the one we saw earlier in the film, she sees them being arrested. Back at the Tucker Ranch, Titi and Juan notice that the front gate is open as they drive in, which were like this. They're like, this isn't normal. Yeah. So the death cowboys have tied up and gagged the Tuckers and brought them outside. One of the death cowboys takes off his mask. Shocker. It's Kirk. It's Kirk. Hey, Kirk. So Kirk punches Josh Lucas in the face and says, today is the day you become me and I become you. The switcheroo is happening in every ranch around here. You and your rich neighbors will know what it's like to be poor and powerless. The purge is forever. The eternal purge. Ever after. And I wrote here. Ever after. <laughs> oh, my God. But I wrote, not, that just came out right now. No, I as love like it. An that, was pure, that, was, that was pure, <laughs> just magic. Pure, pure musical theater exploding. <laughs> but what I wrote down was ever after. And then I wrote starring Drew Barrymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Literally, I wrote in all caps, ever after. You mean the 1998 <laughs> film starring Drew Barrymore? <laughs> the 1998 Cinderella-themed... Listen, when I tell you... You know what? You want to know how I know I'm gay? Because I fucking loved fucking Ever After. <laughs> I loved that shit. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Oh, Drew and her terrible British uh, accent in that I, film. Look, Drew Barrymore, it's because of Scream. It's because of Scream. I just... She has, in general, she is a. She's got a, a little a, a little pocket in my heart. Treasure, yeah, yeah. I just love her. But I look. Your you the death okay, ever <laughs> after, that's yeah. your slogan, dude. I simply will not. I cannot <laughs> take you seriously. It is the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my the life. Purge. Ever after. And literally, they'll be like, like, Kirk is like, ever after. And these death cowboys like shoot up into the air and they're like, ever after. No. 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 This is so stupid. Oh my God. Anyway. Also, a very uh-huh. cool detail I noticed yes. and creepy. They show, they kind of do a pan over like all the dudes that are there and all their creepy masks and horrible thing hats and shit that they're wearing. And one guy is wearing a necklace made of ears. <gasps> and the only reason I could tell that they were ears, because I had to pause. Uh, yeah. And I'm sitting there because I watched it on my big screen and I was like, ¿Y qué puta son esa? Yo sé que es una parte del cuerpo, uh-huh. pero... Son lengua. And I was like, lengua, lengua. And then I noticed, I was like, oh, no, that one has a little hoop earring on it. Their ears. Rose. (laughs) Rose. So all these death cowboys are like, ever after, like I said. (laughs) So stupid. They shoot their guns into the air. However, Juan and Titi hear the shots. Meanwhile, Kirk is deciding which Tucker family member he's going to shoot first when old man Caleb starts screaming, you're talking about life in America, right, Kirk? The way the rich get rich off the backs of the poor. The way it's been ever since we robbed this land from the Native Americans. And here I was like, okay, yes, but this Mm -hmm. dialogue is clunky as fuck. You can see it in Will Patton's face where he's like, yes, but... Oh, God, I don't know. 
I'm really glad you said that because yeah. I was sitting there and I was like, if it, it sat funky with me, but in the f- later in in a scene that's coming up is when and I'll read you what I wrote mm. when I when I felt it. But I'm glad you brought this up now because there's parts of this movie where I was like. I don't know about this. Exactly. And I don't know about you <laughs> right now. I get what he's saying, but like it's so heavy handed. It's just I just I, I think maybe like basically it's just bad dialogue. Like I get it. I get what you're trying to say, pero uy. It felt cheesy. Yes. And like that shouldn't feel cheesy. And I wrote like the dad is right again, but it felt ugh, like cringe and it's not will Patton's fault anyway so caleb continues you've got no right to complain about the system you're supporting by sanctioning the purge which is all about money very quickly juan and titi have grabbed some guns and abo from that gun lo- from josh lucas's gun locker in the garage and meanwhile caleb continues he's like a bunch of fat rich businessmen in washington dc created the purge that would make you their lackey and a hypocrite, Kirk. So from my family to you, go fuck yourself and blam. Kirk shoots Caleb right in the forehead, which, by the way, that shot of they like do like an an overhead shot of Caleb looking up with the shot in his head. And I was like, it's a bad shot. It looked weird. Yeah, I didn't like it either. It was weird. I was just like, yeah, I don't know why that just doesn't work. The bullet propels his head backwards mm-hmm. to like be like, oh, you know, the force of it brings his head backwards. And then we're just watching, looking at down at his face with a hole in his head. I, it was it was very odd. For there was a lot re- of for some reason it just zoom. didn't work. No. Yeah. And there was a lot of like zooming in on faces that I was like, I don't think we need to be up close to this person's face right now this much. <laughs> there was a lot of that that back I was up. like, back up, <laughs> homie. Give me some <laughs> space. So we got that weird ass shot, which, you know, this is very sad. They've literally killed of him course, in front the of their dad family. Is dead. In front of yeah. his family. It sucks. The reasonable man, the yes. sensible man. And now, hmm. adios. And then here come Juan and Titi, and it's a shoot em up. They shoot Kirk, so the rest of the Death Cowboys run off. Juan and Titi untie the, the Tuckers. They all load up into a truck like a fucking semi, and they speed away. So just to know, in this truck, it's Juan, Titi, jo- uh, Josh Lucas, Harper, and Cassidy. All right? I, another thing I want to point out, mm-hmm. which this I think this movie did a good job of, like, slowly revealing the past that Alela and Juan mm. had. Mm-hmm. And this was another moment when Juan and Titi also pick up these guns and you're like, military past? You like, know what, what you're is, doing. You've lived something that required you to know this knowledge yeah. in the past and you're very natural at it. But what is it? What, what could yeah, it be? Yeah, what could it be? I mean, because like when they shoot Kirk... I mean, this is from far away. It's not haphazardly. No. It's like precise, I know where I'm shooting. good yeah. shooting. Yes, yes, correct. So they all speed away. They drive off. Juan tries to call Adela on his cell phone, pero nada. And as they're driving through the streets, which, by the way, of course, it's mayhem. The purge is still going on. It's everywhere. Mass- it's an insane... It's a massacre. It's a massacre. Yeah. So 
they turn on the radio and they hear the announcer say, people are still purging. <laughs> Ever after purge is popping up all over social media. I just can't. I can't do it. It's so stupid. Ever after. Ever after. <laughs> and then finally, Juan gets a call from Rosa. And Rosa tells him, look, I saw the cops take Adela. So our crew, which I'm just going to call them our crew, they head to the police yeah. station. Back with Adela and Darius, they are restrained in the back of what I called a paddy wagon. This is a fucking pa- yeah. a, a paddy, a police paddy, paddy, paddy wagon. wagon. And in there with them is a skinhead with a fucking swastika tattoo on his face. And this dude's all like, there's no such thing as crime anymore. And then a stupid, <laughs> giggling blonde woman who was also in the paddy wagon with them. She's like, ever after, this is the real purge. And okay, I like I... the purge movies. <laughs> I can't with her, with both of them. This is the thing about purge movies. I like them, but there are always... One or two, maybe more actors who ruin the whole thing. Agreed. And, and these that one two, woman, oh, her particularly, porque ella está sentada ahí como she's acting like she's on drugs. Like the purge is making her high. She's like, <laughs> the purge ever after. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I would literally, if I saw you in the street, oh punch you right in the fucking teeth, bro. Man. And she made me so angry. They, both of them made both me. Of them, I mean, but, aside from well, the I, fact her, that he's a Nazi asshole, Nazi, like a fucking sure. skinhead with a swastika on his face, the acting is terrible. Awful. And the thing is, like, I've been invested because everybody is bringing their game. They are performing yeah. for us. I believe you all. Pero these two motherfucking dundos come in here and ruin this movie. For a for a moment, we'll, we'll, we'll get back on track, but I was just like, ugh, there's always gotta be a few actors, and it's always the purgers. It's like the killers who are just Obviously. like, I'm scary, and like, I'm gonna kill you all. The purge. No. Calm down. Take it down a notch. You're in a, like, it literally feels like you're in a different film. Yes. Like a worse film. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) We're back with our crew on the way to the police station. But of course, shit's mayhem, so the way is blocked. So Juan and Titi are like, look, we're just going to go on foot. Like, basically, like, bye. Good luck. See you later. Pero la Cassidy says, no, we're going to wait. Y la Harper says, I'm going with you. You saved our lives. Even though Josh Lucas is like, no, please don't go. And look, this is all lovely and very sweet. Pero smells white savory to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Now, I I won't say that the mood. Okay. White savior vibes abound in this film. By the way, I think we should mention we were just featured on White People Won't Save You pod. We talked about the serpent and the rainbow. With, I mean, it was just such a good time. Please listen to that episode. A blast. Check it out, gang. But so much fun. I was just like, hmm, this feels weird right now, you know? Because you feel it in the movie of like, oh, we're going to prove that these Mexicans are good and that they like they save their lives. And so now now we're good, too. Yeah. We're going to make sure that you live because you saved us. And it's 
So it's this weird reciprocated white saviorism. Not reciprocated isn't the right word, but like pay it forward white saviorism. You know, like you did it for me and I'm going to do it now effortlessly and with no like, would you still have done that if I hadn't killed those dudes? Cassidy even says like she turns to Josh Lucas and is like, no, we are not going anywhere until Juan gets his wife back. And I was like, okay. oh, it is very nice. That's nice. Again, it's all it's all very nice. Thank you for bringing your gun along. I appreciate you trying risking yourself for me. But like it. it yeah, it just there is feels a, weird. The, wh- the whiff yes, is there. It's in the air. You can smell it. And I mean, just also to to reiterate that Juan and Titi were like, Adios, we're going. Good luck. Gracias. So off go Juan, El Titi, y La Harper to go find Adela. We're back in the paddy wagon and the skinhead is listening to gunfire and like identifying the guns, which is so upsetting. And I was like, just fucking shut up. So finally, somebody shoots a bazooka at them and the truck goes crashing. I will say he does say this sentence where I was like, boof. He says the gunshots are going off and he's like, A57, A62, I don't know, whatever fucking girl, yeah. Gun names. And then he says, that is American music, motherfucker. And I was like, oh, that is so fucking true. We are are a country country of of guns. guns. It was upsetting. So the truck goes crashing and this fucking giggling buffoon (laughs) woman Thankfully died in the crash. Sorry, girl, but goodbye. But still, uh, the Nazi guy is alive and he gets out of his restraints and he attacks Adela. He says, you're dead, puta. And I just, I won't. And finally, she gouges him in the eyes with her thumbs and then... Yes. And then Darius chokes him out and breaks his neck. Bye. And then, oh shit, someone begins to bang on the truck and the back doors open. It's Juan, Titi, and Harper. Josh Lucas comes speeding up in his truck and they all load in, except for Darius, who heads off solo to find his family, which, by the way, we don't see him again. I will say also, I had a lot of moments in this film that my uh, gamer instincts popped up because as they're like traveling through the roads, Pat trying to like hide Mm -hmm. from other purgers that are being dicks, I was like. Y'all should be looting those bodies and grabbing all the guns you can find. Find those guns and put them on your body somewhere. It is very video gamey, I will say. It feels that way. So our crew drives off and we get this Dawn of the Dead remake remake style shot of destruction. Everything is burning. It's una mierda. It's all it's a disaster. So they make it to a roadside gas station slash motel where everyone is dead and where Harper and Titi pick up supplies. And okay, so I think it will establish here that Harper and Titi are like flirty. Like in this store. Yes. They each pick up like one of them picks up peanut butter and the other one picks up jelly and Titi is like, these could work. And I was like, why? Okay, so this is this is the part that I was like, I was going back and forth on whether this kind of felt like a little cheesy. But this PB&J moment is my confirmation. It It absolutely is. is. So this moment of like, 
literally doesn't see her pick up the jelly. He's just like, mm-hmm. oh, look, peanut butter. And she's like, oh, look, jelly. And I was like, <laughs> I put my fingers to my nose and put a little pressure on there. The was like, coming headache. Okay. <laughs> <just> yeah. cheesiness. <laughs> the migraine that's approaching. So Adela and Cassidy, meanwhile, are having a tender moment about Cassidy being scared to bring a baby into the world. And Adela responds, we're in this together, which I was like, thesis statement, moral of this film, if you will. Okay, this is what we're this is where we're getting. And they hear over the news that the NFFA has declared martial law across the country. The military is being sent to basically every city to restore peace. But violence is spreading and it's not stopping. Meanwhile, Titi and Harper find some ammo and Harper finds a flag with that, Mm. not even a flag. It's just like a tattered piece of fabric, which has the skull on it. And it says, ever after. (laughs) (laughs) And then Titi hears something on the radio in Spanish. And so they rush outside with the radio. And on the radio, we hear the president of Mexico, Leon Garcia Soler, and the Canadian prime minister are opening their borders for the next six hours. They will take in anyone from America unarmed till order is reestablished and they will close the border after that indefinitely, which I was like, interesting twist. So it's agreed. We got to go to Mexico. They hop back in the truck. They're off. It's nighttime. We're driving to Mexico. And up in the front of the truck, Juan is like, you don't like Mexicans. <laughs> <Que pelo. laughs> you might as well have said. Uh, Josh Lucas denies this, but then adds, oh, this fucking asshole. I don't have a problem with Mexicans, but I will say <laughs> I don't understand your culture, just like you don't understand mine. And I just wrote here in parentheses, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and then he continues, I don't think white people are better or worse, but we should all just stick with our own and leave each other alone. I love that fucking um, Juan goes, eh, como se dice, let's slice the shit. <laughs> like, sweet. I love that. Let's slice the shit. Let's slice it. So Juan says, you may be right, but we're together now, which again, I was like, moral thesis statement. Got it. Anyway, so they pass a bunch of bikers who are fully killing people. The bikers chase them, but then <laughs> Harper gets an idea. She puts that tuco de tela, the, the fabric, up to the window. It's got the skull, and these bikers see the skull. They see Ever After, and they're like, oh, she's with us! And they drive off, speeding off into the night. They leave them alone. Okay, so they arrive in El Paso, Texas. I feel I should include this here. Mm-hmm. Remember, there was a horrible shooting in El Paso at a Walmart on August 3rd of 2019. Yeah. The filming of this movie started after that. So this next Oof. sequence in El Paso feels tough. I mean, base- the shooting at the Walmart was specifically targeting Mexicanos or any like Latinx people. And here we are in this city, you know, very, very heavily populated by Mexican people, Latinos, you know, Latinx people. And I was just like, wow, we're going here in El Paso. I just feel it's necessary to mention Mm. this. That's tough. It was tough for me. Anyway. Yeah. 
We've got three hours to go till the borders close. And it's, of course, mayhem here, too. The military's here trying to calm shit down. But they're just fucking shooting everyone and everything in sight. So not only does our crew have to worry about purgers, you got to worry about the military, too. So as they're driving, making their way through the city, we discover the way is blocked. So they have to walk the rest of the way. So we're walking through the streets. We're shooting purgers. And by the way, this is a cool long shot situation, which I was like, yeah, very cool yeah. and really well done. They finally make it to a theater, but only Cassidy and Adela make it inside when a fucking tank shoots at them. The military. Everyone survives, thankfully, but now they're separated. Adela and Cassidy in the theater. Juan Titi, uh, Juan Luis. Why do I want to keep saying Juan Luis? Josh Lucas <laughs> and Harper <laughs> outside. And now we've got two hours to go. Adela and Cassidy go inside the theater. That's, by the way, playing the original Dracula in English. In English, I believe. You should have made it the fucking Spanish language fucking Dracula. With this Mexican director? Come on! Whatever. Missed, missed opportunity. Hello? So Adela and Cassidy get scared by a prop bat, which drops down. And I was like, this was maybe the scariest part of this movie for me. <laughs> yes. What kind of theaters are still doing this? It reminds me of Scream 2, where there's just like an event happening. Would love to experience this kind of thing. Have never found it. Let us People know. do this. I'm sure they do. I just have never found it. I would love to do it. We need to do some research. Oh, yeah. see. Also, can we just talk about Chekhov's pregnancy belly? Girl, when is she going to pop? Because <laughs> you know it's you happening. You know <laughs> she will pop at some point. Yeah. Totally. Chekhov's <laughs> pregnancy belly. It's coming for us, everybody. <laughs> so... Adela and Cassidy and her fucking Chekhov's pregnancy belly <laughs> go into a hallway that seems to be all like horrified for Dracula, I guess. Yeah. It's all like set up spookily. And there's like prop dummies everywhere. But boo, one of the prop dummies is actually a dude dressed as a fucking vampire. He attacks them. Adela quickly shoots him dead. Another one attacks them. Adela quickly shoots this dude, too. It's easy for her. It's fucking easy. She, I wrote, whoa, this fucking bitch, damn. She wow. is like bam, rolling, bam. turning, bing, bang, boom. Like, she is fucking these fuckers up. Not a problem. Quickly back outside, Juan and Titi and Harper see some wall art. A huevo, las rosas. A huevo. Listen, and so Juan explains to Josh Lucas and Harper we Mexicans leave signs all over the city to help each other. Adela is following them. We should do the same thing. And by the way, they are being watched by somebody. A racist mm -hmm. asshole, probably, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Back in the theater, Adela and Cassidy make it out of the theater onto the streets. And Adela, too, sees something that catches her eye. A poster of La Santa Muerte, I assume this is La Santa Muerte, with una rosa. And here, Cassidy asks Adela, how do you know how to fight like that? And Adela finally reveals she was part of the Autodefensas, a group of women fighting the cartels. We did damage to them. They forced me and Juan off our land. And that's why we're here. Okay, mm. finally revealed. Back with Juan, Titi, Josh Lucas, and Harper. 
they're surrounded by a bunch of fucking racist assholes and are forced to drop their weapons. I just called them racist assholes. They're yeah, purges, but they're fucking they racist assholes. So the main racist asshole, who's this like bearded white guy who was stalking them before, that's the dude who was stalking them, says, well, look what we got here. A couple of bad hombres. And I was like, I get it. But like, yeah. you're okay. Just bash me on the head with it. Like, I get it. Now, to be clear, this was, you know, filmed during the Trump years. So, you know, and honestly, this is a very like anti-Trump film. That's basically oh, what we're saying here. Absolutely. You know? Okay, so <laughs> the main racist asshole, this like grizzled bearded dude, he's called Daddy by his wife, I, I assume. Daddy. I couldn't. I can't. And he calls her mother. Mother. So I'm calling the main racist asshole Pence. Mom and dad? No, <laughs> I called him Pence. Because remember fucking Vice President Pence yeah. called his wife mother? With his wife mother. <laughs> Yikes. It is so weird. That, that is, is so, so fucking weird. weird. Don't do it this, It will people. never not be weird. Never. Please do not call your spouse mother, mother? or daddy. <laughs> So the racists want Harper and Josh Lucas to kill the brownies. I, okay. And they say, if you do that, we'll let you live. Help us purify this nation. That's what the Ever After Purge is all about. And I was like, okay, thanks for the exposition. We got it. However, people like this exist. Yeah. So Pence punches Juan in the face and mother comes up to shoot him. But then she decides at the last minute to shoot Titi right in the fucking gut. I literally said, no, not Titi. That's a kill shot. That's it. So Juan and Harper go to help him. And we discover here, by the way, his name is Trinidad. Trinidad, which I, I, I don't think I had heard that earlier in the movie. And unfortunately... He dies. Just then the military shows up and again, it's a shoot him up. However, this gives Juan a chance to sneak up on mother and he shoots this bitch right in the face with her own Confederate flag gun. Bro. <gasps> Bro. God. And then he. Good. Yeah. Fuck, okay, goodbye, bitch. And then he also <laughs> gets a shot in Pence's shoulder and our crew runs off. Pence radios for all units. He says, this is Alpha Leader requesting all units. Ugh. Another thing that I'm just like, stop calling yourself the Alpha. Stop. Ew. Ew. It's so gross. It's so gross. It's so cringy it and is. gross. Ugh. You're embarrassing, you fucking stupid <laughs> idiot. Absolutely. I, ugh, it makes me so fucking angry. Same. I'm the Alpha Wakala. in this group. I'm the Alpha. You Eat are a not. Dick, bro. You, you are, are an not. idiot. So, back with Adela and Cassidy, they have found some more Rosa wall art, roses everywhere, and they find what seems to be an empty restaurant. They go deeper into the restaurant, and after a tense moment with two men with guns, who, by the way, are Latinx, they are allowed into a room full of refugees. They find their crew, and they discover that Titi is dead. And uh, this is when I wrote, when is this lady going to pop? When is it going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> this hoe, this Chekhov's pregnancy belly, we're waiting for it. It's getting closer and closer. 
So on the TV in this room, the news says there has been an attack at a U.S. military base in El Paso, Texas, where everybody fucking is. And as a result, the NFFA is pulling troops out of El Paso. In response to the Army's withdrawal, Mexico will be closing its El Paso border crossing point immediately. And by the way, ever after purges are in El Paso going door to door slaughtering anyone not a part of their hate group. And then this nearby badass boss ass woman goes up to some dude and she goes, go find Chiago. And I was like, oh, Chiago, like from I I had to say Chiago. (laughs) And I was like the guy from the top from the news. And she yeah. says, tell him to the meet tribal us. leader. Right. Tell him to meet us at this one intersection. And if he doesn't, we're all going to die. So this guy heads off looking for Chiago. And this fucking badass boss ass woman says, let's go. Follow me. Vámonos, Vámonos, cabrones. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Uh, Vámonos, this whole big ass group heads out onto the streets. Finally, a truck arrives with Chiago. The badass boss as woman is like, we need help. Please get us out of here. Take us to the border. So Chiago's like, pile on in. Off we go. Meanwhile, Pence has got a call over his walkie talkie. (laughs) (laughs) They've got eyes on our group leaving the city, heading to the border through the reservation. So off he goes to find them. So is he like the head of the... I mean, I know he said an alpha, whatever the fuck. Ugh. But does that mean that he's the head of the of entire this, like, thing? Of, like, of the entire of ever purge after? Purif- of ever like, after? Maybe the creator, if you will. I felt like that's what they wanted us to believe, but I couldn't really, it was never really specified. You saying that to me just now was the first time I ever considered it. But yes, I do mm-hmm. think that that is probably what they were trying to establish here. Daddy, mother, Alpha leader. I think this is the dude. I think that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dawn and we're driving by the border wall. And Chiago tells Juan that his tribe has lived on the border of the U.S. and Mexico for centuries. We were the only people who could legally cross. Then the wall split us. But there are parts of the terrain that those pendejos can't build a wall on. And we use it to make passage. And then finally... The badass, boss-ass woman takes a look at Cassidy and is like, you're in labor. (laughs) (laughs) You open the house, you think you can hide from me? You're fucking having a baby, ain't you? Just takes one peek over, like, you're in labor, girl. You're in labor. (laughs) (laughs) So the badass, I just called her badass, boss-ass woman. She says, you'll be fine once you get across because camps have been set up that will take care of you. Harper takes a peek out of the back of the truck. Here come Pence and the Racists. Another fucking band name, Pence and the Racists. (laughs) And then then Uh, our group makes it to the crossing point where Chiago's people start guiding our crew over a mountain to get over the border. But we have to split up because of the racists. So, like, some people have to stay back to protect. The the others are going to, like, go make a run for it. So Cassidy and Harper, because fucking Cassidy is about to pop, they head toward the bro- the border crossing with the badass boss ass woman. They go on this fun, cool, like upward slide thingy, which I was like, bro, I was like, I was like, yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to ride that thing. Me too. <laughs> Get me on that thing. <laughs> like a fucking elevator, but like on a little like piece of cardboard like slide, an like upward what? sled kind of. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Super fun. Very cool. 
And Adela, Juan, and Josh Lucas stay back with Chiago and a bunch of his guys to stall the races, but they're all low on ammo. Mm. And Chiago says here, we'll help you because we've been fighting this fight for 500 years. Oof. Damn. Mm. Yeah. Now, very quickly, just to mention here that like Josh Lucas and Juan are getting along they both grab lassos and they like look at each other and you're like, they're both you're, cowboys, you're cowboys and your buds now. All right. And Juan says here, I wish they didn't make him say this line again. Another line that I was like, lands weird. He goes, yeah, this is our last stand. OK, sure. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The racists get closer and then bam, we're shooting people with exploding bows and arrows. I was like, holy shit, look at that. Yeah, because we have this new crew of yeah. native people that are like, Fucking we're, we're going to fuck you up. These dude. bows and arrows <laughs> explode. Super cool. And they said something where Chiago was saying, draw them close and then use the blades. And I was like, these Ooh. fuckers know what's up. They're like, shoot at them from far. And then when they're close up, you fucking blade those you bitches. Slice I'm like, them up. Yeah, slice those fuckers Shit. up. Shit. Also, Adela, badass bitch, is just fucking up these races. Oh my these god! Assholes up. She's a killing beast. it. Pero again, our people are getting shot too. It's a mess. We're running out of ammo, so our crew makes it to a nearby safe house. They don't have any ammo though. They're out. And then here comes the racists. In a back room of this safe house, Chiago and one of these, one of his guys have put on these like cow skulls as masks, which they use to hide. But then they they jump out, they stab these racist fuckers to death. And quickly, quickly, we see that some of the racists are also following Cassidy and the others. Shit. Shit. Back at the safe house and bam, a motorcycle crashes through the safe house. Poor Adela is like sideswiped. She flips over. She lands hard. Yo, passes they fling out. her ass. Ooh. Fuck. Meanwhile, Josh Lucas smashes motorcycle guy off his motorcycle. And then Juan and Josh Lucas are fighting some of these racists who come in. One of them is wearing a fucking conf- Confederate flag shirt. And this can you see that guy's mask that was like a skull, but the jaw and the teeth were made of bullets. bullets. Dope. It Dude. was a dope mask. I mean, asshole. What a dick. But it looked great. The masks in the in all these movies are so Terrifying. always very, always very scary. so cool. Very yeah. cool. So this Confederate flag shirt dude tries to put Juan's face up to the spinning motorcycle wheel. Pero Adela finally comes to. She shoots the guy. But then Adela is pulled through a window by Pence. Uh. Puta, everything's happening. And then Juan and, and what is this guy's name? Not Juan Luis. Josh, <laughs> Josh Lucas. Lucas. Slash these guys to death, just like Chiago said. You're going to have to use the blades. And Knife then they, that skull. I mean, get them good. And then they grab their lassos and they head out to save Adela. Meanwhile, Chiago and like some of his other dudes easily kill the guys following the group that's almost crossed the border. And we hear, what do we hear, Eileen? What did we hear here? The Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, class. we should keep a tally of every time we hear that in these fucking movies. I know my fave. Ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> All right. Back to Pence. He has a knife to Adela's throat and he's demanding her to call for help. Meanwhile, Juan and Josh Lucas are just killing fuckers, slicing throats, getting closer to Adela. 
Adela won't do as Pence says. She's like, she's like screaming out, kill this fucking pig. Just kill him. In Spanish. And he is yeah. holding her and being like, translate, <sighs> translate. I'm like, fuck you, bro. Shut up. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, I hate him. And then Josh Lucas and Juan, they show up. They lasso Pence's ass. Juan points a gun right at Pence's head and says, does this translate, pendejo? And he shoots him in the head. Now, okay. Cheesy as fuck. But I was like, okay, at least give him this, like, yeah, end of the movie. It's good to have a fun line yeah, to say. You know, yeah, sure. like a button to there. Yeah, sure. A button. Exactly. Okay, so they reunite with Chiago. He helps Adela, Juan, and Josh Lucas safely cross the border. They find, like, a medical camp set up where Josh Lucas finds Harper and Cassidy, who has given birth to a baby girl. Juan says to Josh Lucas and Cassidy, Felicidades, papá. And Josh Lucas says in Spanish, Gracias, Juan. Muchas gracias, Adela. Look, it's sweet. I cried. It is very sweet. <laughs> I'm crying now. <laughs> I am moved. I am moved. It's it, so cheesy it's and so dumb. Cheesy. And I, That's it. It's so cheesy. It is but moving it made me to cry. me. Like, I, I feel it literally in my heart where I'm like, Josh Lucas, this character, Dylan, like, he's made a turn. Yeah. By the way, that baby was born in Mexico. I, right. He has a Mexican child. a Mexican child. baby. I didn't even think yeah. of it. There's just something about, like, okay, sure. But, like, it took brutal, brutal yes. fighting and, like, bloodshed and all this stuff to kind of bring them together. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. You know what I mean? But I get it, and I, I am moved. You know what I mean? Moved, absolutely, because that's all you want in your life is to find acceptance from people that are fucking garbage, which mm -hmm. is a bummer to yeah. want to right. need that. Hello, people but, pleasers to the max over here. Hello, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is, like, it, we see a full film before he decides to accept, like, okay, maybe I was wrong, you know? So... But it does, it is, it is nice to hear the effort. Is it too little, too late? Is it whatever? I know that's not the point of this. Like, you're not, we're not meant to analyze that part of it all, but it does, you're right. There is a lot of other baggage that comes along with it. Message received. This is a Purge movie. This isn't an Oscar-winning artsy-fartsy film. So I'm like, message received. It's clunky. It's cheesy. But I get it. So Adela and Juan head off together, and we hear on the radio, who knows what will become of these American dreamers? Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. There is no end in sight to the violence and the uprising. The NFFA is being destroyed by their own creation as the purge can no longer be contained. But... Ordinary citizens are picking up weapons and banding together and fighting back against the purgers, against hate, fear, and violence. The camera pans away, and we see the United States of America, like, way from above, like, from fucking space. Like and it, space. it is in shambles, burning, in a disaster. And the borders, particularly, you can see, like, so much fire. Right, like, you right. see, it's the lights in towns, yes, but, like, you can see it lit up by horrible trash can fires probably right. all mm -hmm. around the borders. So, makes sense. 
The radio continues. What will the new America look like when this all ends? Fin de la película. Great job, dude. I mean, we got through it. It was a lot to get through. A lot of bashing us on the head with the message, but we did it. How about we get into some trivia? Let's do it. So just a couple things that I found on IMDb that I thought were very interesting. So this film is dedicated to the memory of Mexican journalist Leon Garcia Soler, who died on December 11th, 2020, and his wife, Andrea Valeria, who died on September 10th, 2019. Mm. In the film, the president of Mexico is named after Garcia Soler. So that's very kind. And at the end of the credits, you see in loving memory of Andrea Valeria and Leon Garcia Soler, may their interstellar journey keep shining a light on us, which is very lovely. Mm. Jason Bloom was in talks of having Sylvester Stallone starring in this movie. And I was like, as probably either like dad or (laughs) see, that's the thing. I was like, who would he be? The shitty, a shitty racist or like the good (laughs) white people? (laughs) Wow. Well, either I, I think either one of those guys probably. Yeah. At the end of the movie, we see like as we're panning out to see all of America with it on fire, we see the U.S. Mexico border wall and It says here, the U.S.-Mexico border wall shown in the film is one of the prototypes that was proposed during the Trump administration. So that's not there, but like it is they built it, quote unquote, Mm. in this movie. And uh, if you see and I remember seeing Trump be like, this is what it will look like. And Mm. that's what it was. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Gross. Disgusting. What a prick. Let's talk about Ana de la Reguera. Yes, please. Who played Adela. Anabel Gardoqui de la Reguera, born April 8th, 1977, an Aries, Mm. is a Mexican actress. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. She has starred in telenovelas, films, the HBO television series Eastbound and Down and Cappadocia. Yeah, I know, right? The Amazon television series Goliath and the 2006 comedy Nacho Libre. (laughs) (laughs) Reguera was born in Veracruz, Mexico. Her mother, Nena de la Reguera, was a Miss Veracruz who became a journalist and television personality. Reguera began taking classes in classic ballet and later began performance art studies in... Uh, at the Instituto Veracruzano de la Cultura. She left Veracruz to study at Televisa's CEA and later studied with Juan Carlos Corraza in Spain and then in Los Angeles with Aaron Spicer, Lisa Robertson, and Joan Shekel. Later, she became a well-known actress in the entertainment industry around the world. Hell yeah. She has done hella work, very cool things. Pero the one thing that I want to um, highlight of hers is that Ana de la Reguera is happens to be a Sonoro sister with us. Stop. In that uh, she starred as La Reina Obscura in El 
podcast Crónicas Obscuras, which I'll read you the, the synopsis of that. There is a border between fantasy and reality that blurs to feed our fear, where the impossible is unpredictable and terror is a mirror of our reality. Dare to know the story of the Obscura Queen, o la Reina de la Obscura, in this highly immersive horror series. Fuck. So <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. So, you know, I thought it would be cool to talk about how her and us, we're somehow one link away but to Ana de la Reguera. She is our podcast cousin some of somehow. Amazing. I love, love to that. be part of the same network that Ana de la Reguera works. Let's have her on the pod. Oh my God. Uh, would you think she would come? Hell yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> a ver, Ana de la Reguera, venga a conocernos. <laughs> I wanted very quickly to uh, touch upon what grupos de auto defensa are. So, yes, um, so Adela talked about how her past was she was part of an auto defensa group. There, I thought it was only a woman thing because she's like a group of women, but this is in general. They're basically, well, I'll tell you, uh, and on Wikipedia it says here, grupos de auto defensas or self defender groups, también known as. Policía Comunitaria, or Community Police, and also Policía Popular, the People's Police, are vigilante self-defense groups that arose in the Gulf of Mexico and south of Mexico regions between 2012 and 2013. The Mexican government has attempted to monitor and absorb these groups into the federal government to act as rural police in order to avoid clashes between the paramilitaries and the Mexican armed forces. So a little bit of background on that is the presidential administration of Felipe Calderón Hinojosa who was in presidency from 2006 to 2012 began a fight against drug cartels in the state of Michoacán. The primary resource used in the fight was the anti-drug joint police and military initiative known as Operación Michoacán. However, even though in states such as Tamaulipas and Veracruz, killings by criminal and military power declined significantly, the campaign against organized crime has caused violent response, increasing the vulnerability of civilian population due to skirmishes between these organizations and the federal forces. Mm. So they're basically just like regular people taking up arms, trying to fight the cartels. Wow. And um, and I guess there's back and forth between like the government and being like, obviously, you know, people are. Who will watch the Watchmen to quote Watchmen? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, but a lot of the time, these people are there because they want to protect their communities. And to do that, they have to learn skills like what Juan and Adela had to learn. Yeah. So a little bit of that. There's so much more sure. in depth about that shit. Uh, so please look it up if you want to know more. So I guess we are to assume, like, clearly Adela is part of the autodefensas, pero we assume that Juan was too. I believe so. I believe she said that they both yeah, were. But, that we, like, so. we had to flee, or basically. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And now let's talk about Tenoch Huerta. Let's go. Okay. Starting off with Wikipedia. José Tenoch Huerta Mejía, born January 29th, 1981. So he is 
a Aquarius, I believe. He is a Mexican actor and activist. He has appeared in a number of movies in Latin America and Spain, starring in both feature films and short films. He is one of the actors featured in Monica Maristain's book, 30 Actors Made in Mexico. He will also be playing Namor in 2022's Black Panther Wakanda Forever, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just you wait. So Huerta was born in Ecatepec, state of Mexico. His father, a film buff, enrolled him in an acting course with Maria Elena Saldaña. Oh, and he later studied alongside Carlos Torres Torrija and Luis Felipe Tovar. Huerta is of indigenous descent with a Nahua maternal great-grandmother and a Purepecha paternal great-grandfather. I hope I said that correct. Okay. Yo encontré un artículo de Life and Style México mm-hmm. where there are some photographs of Tenoch in this article that are just breathtaking. Oh. Highly recommend you guys look this article up for the pictures alone, pero it's also uh, very wonderful to hear the stuff in it. It's very in-depth. I took a big chunk of it, but I highly recommend you read all this article. He's just an incredibly interesting man. It's just titled Tenoch Huerta. In November, the actor Tenoch Huerta will become the first Mexican to play a Marvel character on the big screen. It will be in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, perhaps the most demanding film in the studio's film universe. Meanwhile, he is also preparing to launch Orgullo Prieto, the book with which he will release in his active fight for racial equality in national cinema. And by national cinema, I mean Mexican national Mm, cinema. mm -hmm. Quote, I want to say something about inclusion. I come from a barrio and thanks to inclusion, I am here. Many children in the barrio are watching us as they dream of being here, and they're going to make it, end quote. The words of Tenoch Huerta, perhaps the most talented Mexican of his generation, resounded at the San Diego Convention Center, the annual venue of Comic-Con, while the performer, activist, writer, and now superhero presented himself to the world as Namor, the new antagonist of Wakanda Forever, a sequel to Black Panther and Marvel's great box office hope once it opens on November 11th. So there's a video of this speech he gave at Comic-Con. It's it's very beautiful um, because he says it all in Spanish. Mm. He says, I'm just going to take a minute to talk to people in Spanish right now. And he says and he continues with. What happens is that now I am in a position of power and influence and I want to use those privileges that I have achieved para tratar de cambiar el pinche mundo en que vivo. vivo. He took this visit to San Diego, not only to go to Comic-Con, but to amplify that message that he has been repeating since he began to be part of the industry that, quote, Mexican cinema is racist and classist. With a degree in journalism and communication from La Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, Huerta came to film at the age of 25, incidentally inaugurating a class militancy rarely seen in the Actors Guild. When I started acting, I noticed the differences. For example, something that is kind of nonsense but is important 
When it's time to eat at a shoot, at the table of the producers and directors, usually white, there are no tortillas. Oh. We don't even eat the same things. Analyzes the proud member of the Poder, the Poder Prieto Collective while looking for the femoral leg of one of the great taboos of Mexican entertainment. Quote, white people represent 10% of the Mexican population. I don't understand why they should represent more than that percentage in movies and television. It appears in 70% of everything that is produced. And that, in my opinion, no matter how you see it, is supremacism, says Denoch, for whom the fight for rights and for a system of equality seems to have become one more late motive to add to his artistic career. So much so that at the end of October, the publication of Orgullo Prieto is scheduled, a book published by Penguin Random House, with which he hopes to multiply the awareness of the Mexican public regarding a reality that Huerta supports with some reflections. Organized through, quote, narratives of experiences along with some clarifications and explanations, the book will seek, according to Tenoch, to help us understand our mistakes so as to not repeat them again. In his pages, based on personal reflections, he shares several episodes of his life in which he has suffered racism and even accepts that he has exercised it, as well as classism and machismo. In the end, it is a system in which we are involved, and that is why, on occasions, I have replicated the things that have been done to me. Mm. We were born into a racist culture, and although we do not want to, it is part of our identity. The context in which we grew up is in our DNA. Si te lo explicaron y lo entendiste y sigues haciéndolo, ya es tú el problema. Ooh. And I was like, wow. So the rest of the article, he goes on to explain this activist group that he started with some other friends in the industry called Poder Prieto that started in the WhatsApp. And then he also talks um, a little bit more about becoming Namor because the, the article is about him joining the Marvel Universe, sure. right? And so I found another article <laughs> that's very cute uh, on SlashFilm.com titled Black Panther 2 star Tenoch Huerta landed the role of Namor without knowing how to swim. Now, Namor is a character based on a sea hero, basically. He's water-based. Water so I'll, I'll read what this article says. We'll chill explain a little bit more about Namor. But the Wakanda Forever trailer also featured something else that instantly grabbed fans' attention. Or rather, someone else. Namor, a fan-favorite anti-hero known as, known as much for his perpetual shirtlessness mm. as for his superpowers. He will play the half-Atlantean character in the new film. And, uh, and though he has always been an aquatic being in Marvel Comics, the actor recently revealed that he wasn't exactly an ace swimmer before being cast in the part. They also asked if I knew how to swim, Huerta told uh, Life and Style, which is the article that I just read from, describing a Zoom conversation he had with Ryan Coogler. I replied that I've never drowned and went back to my manager. <laughs> sure. In reality, the actor couldn't swim, but used one of the oldest tricks in the books. Say yes, then figure it out later. Sure. Of course, I didn't say 
I didn't say anything then because they couldn't have they wouldn't have given me the part, he explained, revealing that he had his U.S. team explain to Marvel that, quote, that's just how Mexicans are. We never say no. And then we see what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, Huerta learned to swim before production began on Black Panther, a project that will almost certainly see him spending lots of time in water. The trailer only briefly shows Namor, including in a shot from behind as his imposing frame rises from the water, trident in hand. I'm so excited for this. In Bill Everett's original comics and other Marvel arcs since, he's the son of a sea captain and an Atlantis-born royal, and he spends a lot of his time literally swimming with the fishes. (laughs) The actor told Life and Style he trained and prepared for the role before spending over eight months shooting in Atlanta. He also hilariously revealed that his yes first attitude extended even beyond the swimming question. Huerta says that the fateful Zoom call froze right as he was initially being offered the part. So he didn't realize it was for the role of Namor until a couple of days later. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. Absolutely. You want me to be in this movie? (laughs) Whatever you want me to play. I don't care. I'm in it. (laughs) Hopefully it'll turn out to be a role he takes to like a fish to water. Okay, slash film, (laughs) we get it. Wow. But apparently in that Life and Style article, he also talks about how Ryan Coogler was really receptive to his notes and his uh, points about uh, Namor because they're basing a lot of this underwater world that they live in on Mayan culture. I praise Ryan Coogler for taking this taking Tenoch's input to being as portraying the Mayan culture as authentically as possible. Mm. He said that about 90% of the stuff that he offered Ryan Coogler as like advice and points of view was taken. uh, And that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Right before I finish, just because we're in this talk of this Marvel universe, we have a other, another star in that film. And it's uh, La Llorona herself, Maria Mercedes Coroy, who I think is playing Tenoch's partner in Mm -hmm. the, in the film. So that's going to be fucking dope to go watch. I can't fucking wait. So amazing. I love that she's in that movie. Can't fucking wait. Yeah. And that's the end of my trivia. Loved it. All right. I don't have too much today. So I found an interview from Collider.com with Goot, Gout, Goat, the director of our (laughs) film. So Collider asked him, you have some very strong female characters in this film. Is your daughter the inspiration behind that? And he responds, it's between my mom and my daughter. My mom unfortunately recently passed. She passed two weeks into production, so it was a crazy time for me. So she died while he was making this movie, which is oh, that's too really bad. awful. She was a really strong, beautiful human being who was curious about the other, inclusive, challenging the rules, pushing us to be better people. I had a really great role model, and I want to see more of that. It was very important to me for Adela to be a woman in her 40s who can both kick ass and think and carry her whole family through an ordeal. I want to see more of that in movies. It's always either the youngest beautiful lady or the grandma, but life is not like that. I assume he means in movies like with the leads. I want more of those beautiful, strong characters. I'm drawn to that immediately, and I know exactly what to do with that. 
And Joe's like, that's interesting. Hell yeah, dude. Get them fucking middle-aged ladies Kick all up ass. in there. And Collider continues... I loved that the men really needed to rely on the women to get them through this, which I was like, yeah, that really yeah. did happen in this film. And totally. Gut, I'll say it's Gut, whatever, responds, I love that as well, because that's true in my experience. So, hell yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally. And then, okay, so there was, of course, that, you know, we had Chiago in this movie who it was just like, you know, tribal leader from Texas. And I was like, what? What is? What do you mean? Give me a little bit more. Yeah. So I looked up reservation near El Paso, mm. and I could be wrong about this, but I did find this article. This is from tshaonline.org. That is the Texas State Historical Association, and the article is about the Tigua Indians, and it says here, and I assume that this might be the tribe that Chiago is part of. This is mm. the a tribe that he is a leader of. So it says here, the Tigua or the Tiguex, Tiwa or Tijua, Indians of Isleta del Sur Pueblo of El Paso are descendants of refugees from the Rio Abajo or Lower Rio Grande Pueblos who accompanied the Spanish to El Paso on the retreat from New Mexico during the Pueblo Revolt, Revolt, Revolt <laughs> of 1680. Their original language was Tiwa, T-I-W-A, which unfortunately is almost extinct. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Through various acts of the Texas legislature and unscrupulous land promoters, the Tiwas lost all of their land. (gasps) All of their land. Not until the 1871 Incorporation Act was land specifically made available to them. They were recognized as a tribe by the state of Texas in May of 1967 and placed under the jurisdiction of the Commission of Indian Affairs. In 1969, the tribe filed legal action to claim the Isleta land grant as well as land in El Paso, El Paso, Hudspeth, Culberson, Presidio, and Jeff Davis counties, which they claimed was traditionally used for hunting, food gathering, and religious purposes. This is so upsetting. It's such a bummer. That, oh my God. Okay. Tigua tribal organization follows the Puebloan or Spanish model. The cacique, elected by the tribal council for life, is the religious leader. And the governor, elected by the tribal council, is the administrative officer. Other officials include lieutenant governor, war captain, alguacil, captains, mayordomos, and council members who are elected by the men of the tribe. Since 1967, a few women have been elected to council positions, but traditionalists resist women as tribal officers. However, traditional Tigua kinship was matrilineal. The home and land belonged to the mother's clan group. By the turn of the century, this traditional kinship pattern was replaced by the Hispanic patrilineal system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marriage ceremonies were formerly Catholic in nature, but recently there has been an increasing recognition of the native religion, and some weddings are a blend of both. Today, the Tiguas of Isleta del Sur occupy about 26 acres of land, of trust land, and live in housing built by government loans on the reservation or in the El Paso community. So I just thought it would be interesting to, again, 
I could be wrong, but we're talking about close to El Paso or El Paso. So I assume <laughs> that <laughs> that Chiago was part of the Tigua tribe. So I just thought it'd be interesting to mention that. And that Very is cool. my trivia for today. Lovely. How about I ask you some questions? Great. Jonathan, were you scared? Not really. You know, this movie felt more like an action film to me than a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. I'll say too, uh, too many guns. L- listen, I feel like yeah. a, a lot of the other purges <laughs> were a little bit more creative with their kills. And mm. this was... Yeah, this was a little too gun forward for me. And it did feel I mean, it's I think it's hard to portray the immigration uh, experience and like border life and that kind of stuff without having so much gun like weaponry. Like, yeah, it's it does feel very police procedure vibes. Rather yeah. than police procedural slash Western shoot em up. Like the amount of yeah. times I wrote and we're shooting them up, shoot them up, shoot them yeah. up throughout my notes. So no, not really. What about you? Were you scared? I said yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But only only because the general purge vibe is one that freaks me out. And uh I I do have a fear of uh shitty people uprising and uh so in Maybe not scared, but definitely on the edge. Like I felt, I do have fear when it comes well, to that kind of stuff. Along those lines, these movies are scary because the ideas are not so far fetched. If you really exactly. think about it, so yeah, I, I hear so you. I'd say yes. Sure. Uh, what was your best scare? It's got to be the commencement of the purge. Just always that section of like the sirens like going off and the person on the news so calmly being like, hi, this is the purge. You're going to die. Good luck, America. Good luck. Very scary. Always tense. And from what I remember in all the purge movies, it's always like this where you're just like, fuck, this is so stressful. I'm telling you, that siren is fully horrible. So scary. What was your best scare? Uh, the bat in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, if it comes to jump scares, yeah, totally. I literally was like, "Hijo la gran puta!" I wrote "son of a bitch" in fucking all in one. Literally, what a motherfucker. just a plastic ass bat. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. Yep. Uh, who is your favorite character? I give it to Adela and Juan. Thought they were both great. You know. Yeah. Having talked through this movie with you, I do like at the end. Adela is back in Mexico as much as she mm-hmm. did, you know. I mean, she left for a reason, you know, the autodefensa, mm-hmm. the cartel. But here she is back. In, and it's just an interesting arc. I kind mm-hmm. of disagreed with her at the top where she's like, yay, America, let's go. Mm-hmm. But they're, I mean, Adela and Juan, great couple, great chemistry. I could watch another movie about them. So yeah. it's got to be them. What about you? I gave it specifically to Juan. Mm-hmm. I think he he was really great. I may be too much of a bitter Betty against uh, Alela's feelings at the top. So, um, I, I hear you. I do think she's a badass bitch, though. She was fucking totally. great. But Juan has my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what was your best line? A huevo, las rosas. That's so <laughs> nice. stupid. But I was like, oh, I like it. You know, very simple. Yeah. Follow the roses. It's going to save us like Mexicans banding together. We look out yeah. for each other. That was at the base. Like, that's the basis of that line. We look out for each other, which I really, yes. really loved. What about you? Let's slice the shit. 
slice it. I literally was like, that's such a goofy line to say. Let's Mm -hmm. slice the shit. But I'm like, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's hilarious. Delivered well by Tenoch. Yeah. What was your best death? I'll give it to Adela pinning the demon bunny to the cage and then Darius lowering the head piercer. Bam, getting that dude. Uh, Sure, I'll give it to, to Adela and Darius killing that demon bunny. What about you? I gave it to the cleaver in the face Ooh. to that where he was like, I'm swinging it around. And mm-hmm. then was it Josh Lucas that was like, no, it was Darius. Or was it Juan? It was, it was Darius. Darius. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that cleaver to the face. I was like, yeah, smash it. Yeah, on, that's that and same the fucking... demon bunny section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Also, uh, just because I'm a big fan of uh, just because I, I get particularly squeamish about it, but when Alela put, put her thumbs in the hey! Nazis' eyes, Ooh, yeah. yeah, definitely fucking fuck those thumbs in those eyes in there. Um, <laughs> fuck them? No, don't fuck them. That's great. Uh, did you learn anything from the culture? I did. Um, I learned about the autodefensas. I mean, it was very brief, but she gave us a little explanation about that, and I was like, oh, great. Absolutely learned about that. So I said yes. What about you? Same. Same. Yeah. That was the same thing I learned. Yeah. And finally, how many ooze do you give this movie? I'm going to give this movie two and a half ooze. I didn't think it was great, I was, but I was invested. I thought it was cheesy, clunky, really hit us over the head. But I see the message that's in there. I do. Yeah. You know, about like, you know. We can be different, but like still, that doesn't mean that we should not help each other and respect each other. And like we can get each other through things like I get that message and I appreciate and respect it. I was entertained. I was uncomfortable. I was mad. You know, I was mad. I was sad. So, yeah, it, it made me feel all these things. It spoke to me as a Latino. So. Two and a half, and learning about the autodefensas was very cool. So I mm-hmm. will two and a half ooze from here. Ooh, ooh, from here, from from me. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. What about you? I give it two and a half too. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I agree. The script, the script is clunky. It's a little too shoot 'em uppy for me in yeah. in the purge world. Um, but I do think that this storyline works well in the purge universe. I think it's a because, listen, these fuckers be out here trying to purify America Dude. every way possible. And that's yeah, it's severe, happening. It's, it is a reality. So yes. it makes sense, uh, which makes it scary and makes it a, a decent purge vibe. But mm-hmm. I agree with you with everything you said. So two and a half from me as well. Yeah, we did it. Get on through into this, uh, through the hole in the ground into the <laughs> other side, because... Uh, There's somebody burning garbage outside my house, and I do not like that. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate every single one of you. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review in cualquier plataforma. You can follow us in our redes sociales at Wikiorror on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure and check every Friday where we let you know what movie we're going to be doing on the following Monday. You can check out our link tree with Every single one of our movies, linktr.ee slash Uyquiorror. Thank you to Sonoro for being our Mack truck that drives us through the barricades into your ears. Mm -hmm. You can follow them in their redes sociales at Sonoro Podcast. 
And Johnny, if I had to pick up a sledgehammer and smash some racist brains into the oblivion, I would only like to do it with you. Absolutely. I got it. I got it in my hand. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. I fucking love you. I fucking love you, too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.